about this? These two. These two people. Uh, I am geeking out to the Geeks Unleashed podcast. Mark. Jasmine. What a nerd. Nerd alert. <laughs> Unleashed television. What are you talking about? Anything can be a podcast. Video game. <laughs> what is a geek? Oh, hi, Mark. The whole point is, of course, the plot is. You guys have great conversations. Uh, I am geeking out. Unleashed. Movies. People love movies. All right, you guys, podcast time. You're listening to the Geeks Unleashed podcast. Part of the security badass, we take our passions and our fandoms and we turn them into conversations with you. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. It's episode 139. I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. Uh, each week on the Geeks Unleashed podcast, we catch up on our pop culture lives and then we bring you a review of something adapted from the comic book world or gaming world. Yes. And before we get started, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. We appreciate that. We would also love it if you would like this video and subscribe to our channel. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, we appreciate that as well. We'd also very much love it if you would leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Uh, equally, if you'd like to donate any funds towards uh, our Ko-Fi, I'd be much appreciated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jumping straight into our feature of Geek of the Week. Um, I, I uh, have a Halloween it's very appropriately uh, themed for what we're covering this week well yeah yeah true as well yeah so um i don't know how i've managed to go the whole of my life without watching the lost boys from 1987 which starred keith sutherland jason patrick Corey haim uh and quite a few other people you may know from the goonies and Mm -hmm. other such 80s classic movies um however i've never seen it and my local cinema was doing a re-release throughout October of various Halloween-ish movies. And me and my neighbour, we were talking the other day. Um, so he's got a pass and I've got a pass, um, unlimited. Yeah, yeah. Cinema, I think. We were chatting the other day and uh, we were just texting each other back and forth screenshots of uh, films that were on. And um, we've, we've both done it where he's gone on his own or I've gone on my own. And then I was like, oh, we should go together. I said, And then I sent him a screenshot of stuff that was coming up. And he was like, oh... Why don't we go and see the Lost Boys? And like he was like talking about how much he loved it, or, or and you know obviously watched it when he first came out, etc. Yeah, yeah. And I've never seen it; didn't see it in the eighties. And in eighty-seven, I would have been six, mm-hmm. um, so far too young for the Lost Boys. Ah, um, nah. Uh, but then, and my parents were a lot stricter in terms of what I was allowed to watch. So but clearly, um, mine weren't. <laughs> um, so I just never watched it. Uh, yeah. And do you know what? I think over the years I've walked in occasionally and someone's had it on the screen or something, mm-hmm. um, but no, nothing ever really caught my eye. Yeah, um, that's fair. <laughs> uh, in short, I watched that movie yesterday and I really thought back to the episode that we did almost two years ago where we did a review of Master of the Universe and mm-hmm. me, me, uh, Robbie from Pop Culture Philosophers and Adam from Go Figure was on it with Jasmine. Yep. And me, I was Adam odd man out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so me, Adam, and Robbie we talked. To, you know, so we gushed about our love of that movie, Master mm-hmm. of the Universe, and Jasmine was like, "What are you not talking about?" It's terrible. And, uh, and throughout the Lost Boys, I just have no attachment to it emotionally, nostalgic wise, etc. Right. And I just kept thinking, this is such an awful movie. Like, yeah, I'm telling just... you, it makes such a difference. Like when you see something like that, like in its original form, or went at the time when it was meant to come out, like it makes a big difference than watching it for the first time and being like, I don't understand the hype at all. No, no, I, I, 
Oh, so my neighbor, he, we walked out and he was like instantly telling me about the first time he watched it when he was about 12 years old. Yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. And I was just like, okay. Um, <laughs> and like, he was like, really, like, and he's like, what do you think? I said, and, I, and to be fair, my opinion still stands. I'm glad I've now finally watched it because yeah. there are certain films I think that you should watch, you know, especially of the classics. Uh, you know, everyone should watch probably Goodfellas and everyone should watch Reservoir Dogs. And this is one of those films that probably mm-hmm. everybody should watch. And I just hadn't watched it. So congratulations to me. I finally watched this film. Congratulations to me. <laughs> I don't know what else I'd say, really. I'm glad I've done it. I can tick it off the list. And that what and done. done, forget about it. You never have to have a conversation I'll, about I'll, it again. I'll, ne- I'll never watch it again. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I did look up, though, that uh, they did make a crappy sort of vhs home video movie sequel nah the chances of me watching listen that we are... we watched man thing okay that is our contribution to <sighs> direct-to-video comic yeah. booky type stuff like we're not doing no we're not doing anything else like that well oh, the one thing i would say sorry the one thing i would say i did like about this was that um quite a large chunk of this movie was set in and around a comic shop mm. and and he meets two comic book nerds geeks who help him to save the day. So that was probably its main redeeming feature was that <laughs> comic book geek actually saved the day. Oh, <laughs> so, look at that. Look at that. Uh, uh, anyway, go on. What was yours? <laughs> What's your geek of the week? All right. My geek of the week. In keeping with my anime theme, uh, my geek of the week is the Sasuke and Miyano movie, Graduation which finally became available on Crunchyroll September 28th. And I just now watched it this week. It's a couple of weeks behind. Um, it is literally a continuation from the end of season one of Sasuke and Miyano. We get a little snippet of uh, Hirano and, oh gosh, I can't remember the guys. Oh, uh, Karagi? Ah, the guy who is crushing on Hirano. Anyway, it was really cute. Super cute. The animation is still really pretty. Um, I just, I loved it. It's so sweet. And so just like soft. It's like one of those all kind of shows. So uh, it's like an hour long. It's not very long at all. Um, so it's a very quick watch, but I enjoyed it very much. It was a nice reprieve from the busy, busy week that I've had. Um, sounds lovely. I, that's one of the things I do like about nice anime movies. Like mm-hmm. they feel quite relaxing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, that's why I love a lot of the Studio Ghibli or Studio Ghibli style type of movies that are out mm. there. There's a lot there. There's a lot that have riffed off of that mm-hmm. Studio Ghibli vibe. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so to jump into Blade Trinity <laughs> from 2004. Uh, the final part in the Blade movie trilogy. So mm-hmm. written by David S. Goyer, directed by David S. Goyer, based on characters from Marvel Comics. And it stars, returning again, Wesley Snipes and Chris Christopherson. All new cast. We've got Jessica Biel, Ryan Reynolds, Parker Posey, Natasha Leone, Dominic Purcell, and Triple H. Do you know what? I completely forgot until you read about that Triple H was in this. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that, that he was a wrestler, I, like something really. You know, anyway, so first appearances yeah. in the comics, Blade appeared in Tomb of Dracula 10, which was from July 1973 by Marv Wolfman and Gene Conan. Hannibal King uh, was from Tomb of Dracula issue 25, which came out in October 1974, also created by the same people. Mm-hmm. And 
this had a this was released on the 8th of December 2004. The Christmas movie. <laughs> I mean, it was released in December. That's probably its only only connection with Christmas. Uh, um, running time was 113 minutes. Had a budget of 65 million. Box office made 132 million. So I mean, it did it did make double back its budget. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm not gonna. Just want to say one thing. I know who you jumped to fun facts. When I was watching this, I did think about the budget. And this felt to me that the budget was far thinner than previous movies. But really weirdly, this actually has a bigger budget. I think it had bigger names. I think uh, the I think a lot more of the budget went to casting this time than to anything else. Um, well, I, the one thing, well, the thing that made me think about the budget was actually most of um, the cast were mm-hmm. were TV uh, TV right. actors, um, and I just thought to myself, this. The, the quality in acting and, and actors and actresses are people that, you know, play supporting roles in sort of CW TV series. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I was just like, what What has happened? Like, oh, we're going to get to that because just... I got I got lots and lots to say about that. So, but anyway, first... here's your fun facts. It's my favorite. Okay, so... Many, 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 many people know that this production was just absurd. It was a difficult set to be on. Nobody liked anybody else. Uh, Plenty of people have gone on record, including Patton Oswalt and Ryan Reynolds, as to say that Wesley Snipes was so unapproachable that he, that Ryan Reynolds even joked one time and said he has never actually met Wesley Snipes in his entire life. He has only met Blade, and that's it. (laughs) (sighs) So that was one of the things that was just like big in everybody's face like for for whatever reason david esquire wrote the first two films as well he didn't direct Mm -hmm. them but he wrote the script for the first two films as well but this time around like nobody really wanted to be a part of this like they tried to go back guillermo del toro was he declined this film because hellboy came up and he was like hellboy is my dream project like I'm taking Hellboy. I'm not, I'm not doing anything else. So he was out of the picture. They went back to the director from the first film, Stephen Norrington. He read the script because he was interested when they approached him. And he was like, yeah, let me read the script and I'll let you know. He read the script and he was like, hell no, I'm not, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and like, he was very adamant that the script was the problem. And so like, they literally could not find anyone to direct this film. And so David Esquire, who wrote it, ended up directing it. It was his first like major budget feature film that he directed. Um, I, um you know, uh, among other things. So like in in like the background with New Line Cinema and Wesley cuz Wesley Snipes has always been a producer for Blade. He's been a, an executive producer for all three films. After this film was released, Wesley Snipes sued New Line Cinema because he claimed that they did not pay him his full like salary because mm-hmm. of his producer status. He also claimed <clears throat> that they did not handle racist remarks on the set that were directed at him. He claimed that they did not include him in any of the casting decisions because him and Chris Christopherson were very vocal about this cast for this film being too big and that it didn't need to be as big as it was. Um, So he was upset about not being included in the casting decisions. And he also said, and I I read like 
the brief in variety from 2005 when he filed the lawsuit. And he was like, you know, everybody was really inclusive in the previous two Blade films that we did. There were a lot of people of color, like behind the scenes, below the line is what they call it, below the line staff. And he said, and this time around, there was none of that. And so because he was, didn't have as much, I guess, control over what was happening, he made everything very difficult. Like eventually he just stopped talking to David Goyer altogether, which is kind of hard when he's the director and you're the lead <laughs> actor. <laughs> so they said that at some point, Wesley Snipes would only respond to him in post-it notes. <laughs> he, he would sit in his trailer and smoke weed. He would delay, delay, delay. There were so many reshoots. They used stunt doubles and like other actors to fill in as much of Wesley Snipes' parts as possible. Uh, there was even one scene where like Wesley Snipes refused, refused to open his eyes while they were filming. And so they had, this, to, they had to use CGI to have his eyes open like in the final product because he refused to open his eyes uh, like on the set. I mean, it was just like drama on top of drama on top of drama on top of drama. Um, so yeah, it seems like nobody really enjoyed the experience of making this film. And Patton Oswalt even said, he's like, when you watch the film by itself, the film is a D. It's a D movie. And he said, but if you know the shit that we went through to get this film made, it's an A+. Like, he's like, I am amazed that this film actually made it to theaters. Like, the production was that horrible. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this one is uh, just drama, 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 drama. Okay, so fun, fun facts. Um, Easter eggs. This is the first, like, Marvel film to have that logo sequence at the beginning. This is the first Blade film to have that um, logo sequence at the beginning. Um, I think maybe X-Men might have done it first, but uh, speaking of X-Men, they talk about comics in X-Men, um, but in Blade Trinity, Hannibal throws a comic book on the table when referring to Dracula. Um, and he's like, yeah, and Wesley Snipes, of course, like rolls his eyes or whatever, because Blade is like that, you know, comic books, that's not real. Uh, yeah. But that was an actual real published Marvel comic. It was uh, Tomb of Dracula. And I think it was issue number 55. And it is the first time that in a Marvel film, there is an actual real existing Marvel comic shown on screen in a Marvel film. And they said that it's happened... They have shown comics in Marvel movies before, but they've always been fake comics. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the first time it was an actual real comic in the film. And also I think issue 55 is the first issue of Tomb of Dracula where Blade and Hannibal meet for the first time. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then as far as casting stuff, like I always love to hear who could have been, who maybe was considered, all of those things. I love that so much. So this is not really related to Blade, but Dominic Purcell, in the early 2000s, he was hot off his prison break, like, fame. Um, at one point, Dominic Purcell, who plays Dracula or Drake in this film, was considered for the role of Bruce Banner in The Incredible Hulk, which obviously that role went to Ed Norton. And I'm sure Universal has regretted that ever since. <laughs> um, Triple H 
Now, this one threw me for such a loop. Triple H was considered for Thor. Obviously. Thank God <laughs> we got Chris Hemsworth instead of Triple H. But as a consolation prize, Triple H was Sabretooth in the first X-Men film. Um, and Jessica Biel was considered for the role of Sif in the Thor films. And she did not get that part either. But <sighs> Jessica Biel, while she was practicing archery for this role, she got so good at archery that she, at, at one point, they had her like filming a scene and they were the direction was aim directly at the camera. But the camera had like the screen in front of it. And supposedly like you wouldn't have been able to hit the camera because of this deflector screen that was there. But there was a hole in the screen so that the lens could still have a clear view. Yeah. But she was so good at archery that by the time they filmed that scene, she hit that lens in that tiny hole dead on and shattered a $300,000 camera. Oh, wow. I bet they were annoyed. <laughs> I mean, wow. but uh, she did exactly what they told her to do. I thought that was pretty freaking cool. Like, you take your craft so seriously. I, I do love that. People that put in the work and put in the effort, I love that. So the fact that she had never done archery before, learned, started learning it for this film, and then got so good that she, right in the center of the lens, like, get out of here. <laughs> and that's uh, all I got. That's all I got for fun facts for this one. Well, I'm sure we'll expand on the, those as we go through this but yeah. um okay so the summary from imdb is blade now wanted man by the fbi must join forces with the night stalkers which is obviously jessica Biel and ryan reynolds character and a bunch of other mm-hmm. well-known tv actors and actresses um to face his most challenging enemy yet Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, when I say that TV actors and actresses, I'm not getting any criticism on those people. Some of those people now actually, um, I forgot the actress's name, the blind lady. I think she's had like a big show. Mm-hmm. Wasn't she in um wasn't she in Orange is the New Black or something? Or not Orange mm-hmm. is the New Black. No, I'm she, thinking of someone else. But anyway, she's I'm been sure. I mean, but they at the time though, they were all sitcom people. And uh yeah, yeah, at one point yeah. Blade even uh, well, Wesley Snipes improvised a line when he gets rescued. And he gets in the truck and he's like, what is this, a sitcom? And he said it because everybody was a sitcom actor at the time. Uh, Ryan Reynolds was on Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place. Jessica Biel was on Seventh Heaven. Patton Oswalt was on News Radio? No. He was on something that was also a sitcom. So it was just, it was very like appropriate because it was true. He's got a comic that's just come out recently. I can't remember the name of it, but he's written a comic recently himself. Yeah. And he was in- I like him a lot. I think he he is a funny guy. Uh, wasn't he an agent of Shield as well? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, right, okay. Overall thoughts on the movie. I remember watching this at the cinema when it came out, mm-hmm. and I was obviously a huge fan of the first two. Like, even though the first, the second one wasn't quite as good it was only marginally not quite as good the first two are actually really strong movies mm-hmm. and whilst not planned like they were both films were built individually they felt connected mm-hmm. um they did their best really they did they did really well the first two like you know um anyway this movie i remember going in really hyped for it i can still remember going to see it at the cinema and i think i went to see this in chichester um 
So I went and saw it and I just remember coming out just so heavily disappointed. <laughs> and the first two movies, like the first one I've rewatched 50 or 60 times, I don't know. Yeah. The second one I've rewatched maybe 20 times in my life. Second one, I, the second one I did still think was a really good movie and I had watched that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Not for quite a long time, either of those, before yeah. we did the last two episodes. This episode, this film, I was actually trying to think, I don't think I've rewatched this movie other than when I went and saw it at the cinema. And I remember like walking out so annoyed, mm-hmm. uh, like heavily disappointed and annoyed at the same time, thinking like, how have they gone? from two such you know, right. really well-built right. movies to this trash that yeah, this just got made. Absolute pile of shit, yes. And, like, and I remember, like, at the time, just being so annoyed that they yeah. put Ryan Reynolds in this movie. Yes! Like, like, yes! And I just thought to myself, what? Like, he, at the time, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, him and Parker Posey, sorry. Those two, like, honestly, Parker Posey has got to be hands down the worst actress there's ever been allowed to act in in her in the life of any anything ever made like honestly whenever i like lost in space that was on netflix and she was she was she was in that and just everything she's in she just just oh honestly i'm not a violent man but she just drives me to the point where i would want to do something yeah i'm the same way i don't understand it i don't really know what it is i mean it has to be just like the, her style i don't i don't know i, don't, I can't yeah, pinpoint I, it but like i'm just she grates on me and i oh, just really do not enjoy me, yeah. anything that she's in she, I she just has don't. the same style of she literally doesn't have any range in, in in acting ability some people you just think how on earth have they been like how how do they get acting work like how what mm-hmm. who who do they know like what, what you know like I don't know. You just think like, what, what, what yeah. blackmail folders does Parker Posey <laughs> yeah. have in the Hollywood industry to actually get work? Like, they must be of, huge gigs yeah, and she, gigs and gigs of them. She must, she must have rooms of filing cabinets where she's yeah. like, I want a job. She must yeah. walk in to people and go. She's like, oh, so and so is doing a film. I want in on it. Hey, yeah. and they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> go we find me that file. <laughs> yeah, we're like, no, we were actually wanting to go with an actress with skill, and then she no. pulls out some files, some photos of something they've done. Like, and they're like, oh, okay, okay, we'll come yeah. and cast you. Yeah. And I honestly, when I watched this, mainly I was annoyed with Ryan Reynolds being in this movie. Yes. But equally, Parker Posey, oh, well, and all of, all of them, really, Triple yeah. H, you know. Um, and I'm telling you, those are my feelings at the time. And having rewatched that uh, this time around, none of those thoughts have changed. Nope. I, I, I've improved... Um, I actually thought Wesley Snipes really did his best from what I could see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt like he injected more comedy in this time around. Yes. Um, I, I was annoyed that they killed Whistler off again. I was just like, why? Why have you done it? Why have you killed him off again? You killed him off in the first one. Then you came up with some cock and ball story to bring him back in the second one. But we've all accepted because we thought the character of Whistler was brilliant. Right. And we loved it. Uh, and so it was great to open up with the two of them together again. And then what, 15 minutes in, pfft, dead like yeah. blown blown like to be fair the way he took himself out was great like yes mi- but mi- still like, yeah like, it was annoying and again it was kind of an off-screen <clears throat> death so which allowed a potential for, if they had made a fourth one and brought him back it would have been awful if they'd have done that but anyway 
uh, yeah, I mean, I know we'll go through this in, in more detail, but generally my thoughts are, this is a terrible movie, <laughs> just hands down awful. Uh, whilst I'm not overly annoyed that the villain is Dracula, I did feel that potentially they could have gone a different route in kind of a villain. Like, I don't know. Well, they wanted um, so badly. They still had been trying really Morbius. hard to get Morbius. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Like, yeah, I just haven't really... I don't know everything. Making putting him on the FBI's most wanted list. You know, I love the fact that in Blade One and Two, no one knew who he was. He operated in the shadows. Yeah. Suddenly now he's like all over paper oh, papers. Well, I mean, know, I, I technically just, uh, that was like a plot point. Like that was. Yeah, I know, I know, but I just didn't like that. Like yeah. I wanted him to still be in the shadows. I still wanted him to just be able to walk. I don't know, through a subway station and no one know who he is. Like, yeah, I know. thought it was odd that they talked about vampires like on the news. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah it was stupid. Like, oh, yeah. just so much about it was stupid. <laughs> like, anyway, what, what's your overall thoughts? Uh, uh, same, same. <laughs> like, I, I remember being extremely disappointed when this movie first came out. And at, even before I saw it, I was like, but Ryan Reynolds is the funny guy. Like, hmm. why did you cast the funny guy for this role? I, I could not wrap my mind around that. And then when I saw it, I was like, he's the funny guy. Like <laughs> you, you can't, you can't pigeonhole him into this kind of role. Cause back then he didn't have the range. I think he's gotten a lot better as time has gone on. And I think there are some heavier things that he's done. There's some, little independent films that he's done that he got to be a little bit more serious, but Ryan Reynolds is the funny guy. Like Ryan Reynolds is literally Deadpool. Like that is, that is his personality. And to me, Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, you pay them to be themselves. That's, that's why you cast them. You are casting them because you want them to be themselves on camera. Like nobody casts Samuel L. Jackson to be something that he's not. You know what I mean? Like you cast Samuel L. Jackson because you want somebody to stand up there and say motherfucker as many times as possible in your two hour and 20 minute film. Right. Like it just, it just, I never understood the reasoning for them bringing in Ryan Reynolds, unless they just wanted like a meathead. Like that's the only other thing I could think of. Like, are you, are you just trying to add some sex appeal to this film? Like, I don't, I just, it's, it's, Every, everybody is yeah. <laughs> Chris Christopherson. <laughs> yeah. um, like it just, it never made sense to me. It never made sense to me back then. And it, it definitely doesn't make sense to me now. And I think overall, this movie is so nothing like there, there is nothing memorable about this film. Like in the first film, we had some zingers. There were some great one-liners. The chemistry between the actors was actually really great. So you had that tension between the villain and the hero in the first film. And even in the second film, like it was a step down, but I think the second film still pulled its own weight as far as like villain hero dynamic. But in this film, it was just like, first of all, you pulling Dracula as your big bad. Dracula needs no introduction. Even if you've never watched a vampire film in your life, you know who Dracula is, right? Like everybody on the planet has heard of Dracula. So to take a name that big and then you give it this role and no offense, but like Dominic Purcell had no presence 
there he had no swagger no nothing there was nothing about him that conveyed head of the vampires on the planet like nothing nothing at all and so to me like this this film was just so underwhelming everything about this film is completely and utterly underwhelming the writing is underwhelming the casting is underwhelming the action set pieces are underwhelming like the the only cool thing that i really enjoyed about this film the weapons got a massive upgrade i think the weapons that they used in this film are fantastic and the way that the vampires die like i think they kind of took that up a level from the first film so i really enjoyed like the cgi that went into the death of the vampires and i enjoyed the weapons but outside of those two things, there is nothing else that I enjoy about this film. Not back in 2004 and not rewatching it again in 2023. Um, actually, one thing I wanted to add before we moved on was I did read that apparently when they were coming up with the idea for this movie before Dracula, they had an idea to kind of do some sort of time jump thing and make it like a, sort of a, an apocalyptic yes. world setting. Yeah. Um, however, they decided in the end to go with a more grounded approach like they did with the first two. So I guess that's a win because I think an apocalyptic world setting would have started to go down the whole Resident Evil yes, movies. For sure. Like, yeah, I like, mean, we kind of got that with like the vampire dogs. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this movie was trash anyway, but to yeah. make it an apocalyptic world setting, it would have just been real. I mean, this was pretty much B movie anyway, but yeah. to make it an apocalyptic world setting would have you know, w- would have I don't know, definitely been in the <laughs> The, the bar category. was already pretty low. Like if yeah. they had gone apocalypse, I think the bar would have been like in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is the part where we talk about favorite characters, but no, not even Blade. Like, like, uh, <laughs> so there's quite a few characters in here. I want to shout oh. them out. Wesley Snipes obviously was Blade. Chris Christopherson was Whistler. Parker Posey played Danica Talos. Uh, Ron Reynolds was obviously Hannibal King. Dominic Purcell, who you mentioned as Prison Break, who later actually played Captain Cold in mm-hmm. The Flash and uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, and no, he Jessica... was the heat guy. The other you're guy right, from Prison right. Break was... You're right, the, you're yeah. right, you're right. Sorry, you're right. He played Heat Waves. Sorry, yeah, completely yeah. forgot he played Heat Waves. Sorry, but it's funny, it's the right. two Prison Break guys that wound yeah. up in the CW. Yeah, no, well, I assume that was deliberate casting because they must have known. <laughs> but, um, so you're right, he played Heat Wave. And... Mm-hmm. Um, um and obviously Jessica Biel played Abigail Whistler. Now there was other other characters and stuff, but those are kind of the main the main ones. Yeah. Um, I kind of just wanted to jump on your point here about Dominic Purcell as the main villain. Mm-hmm. He's definitely improved as an actor because I think in he when he played Heatwave in Legends of Tomorrow, whilst Legends of Tomorrow became more and more trash as it went on, he actually was one of the strongest actors in that. Yeah. And, and even through Prison Break. The, the five, uh, was it five or six seasons? I can't remember. They did a return season. Anyway, at the beginning of Prison Break, he was definitely not one of the strongest, but towards the end of Prison Break, you could tell the difference in yeah in his own <clears throat> strength as an actor. And this movie was definitely in line with him as quite a novice actor, I would yeah. say. And he didn't have the strength to play really. Dracula right. is, a, is, a, is a big name villain. That's like a huge in, 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 name. In any franchise, Dracula yeah. is a, like in any movie, because let's be honest, so this must be 
probably a hundred movies where Dracula has been in. Right. But like, like Dracula, if you're talking in terms of scale, like Dracula and Superman are probably on the same level. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. that's that kind of name power that Dracula has. Like you can't just give that to anybody. No, no, they needed they needed a stronger actor with that. I'm not so yeah, Dominic Purcell would have made been better probably as one of the villains from Parker Posey's lot rather than mm-hmm. Dracula himself. I'm I'm not saying who would be a good choice here, but you needed somebody that was probably more of a an active vet, veterinarian or veterinarian. veterinarian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired, it's been a long day. Uh anyway, so but you needed someone who actually had Wesley Snipes' level of acting. Yes, career. exactly. Like, exactly. You, really they need someone to have matched Wesley Snipes in terms of uh, strength stage there. presence stage presence yeah yeah uh, even if they weren't a big name like somebody because i i thought like i really thought luke goss was a good villain like he, yeah, he had the presence to be a big bad like i believe considering it. and considering he was actually much more of a novice actor right he put he put the work in right like, yeah he all those years has been in a boy band <laughs> like gave, gave him the skills uh anyway <laughs> Uh, Wesley Snipes and, and Chris Christopherson clearly were the strongest of, yeah, of, of all of the cast. Yeah. But the one, but the person I wanted to shout out for me, who I did think uh, there is one person, having rewatched this, there's one person that did change my mind. I did okay. change my mind right. about someone. So initially, when I watched this, I did think Ryan Reynolds is awful and J- Jessica, uh, Jessica Biel, like. Yeah, it wasn't particularly strong either. But when I rewatched this, the one thing I would say I want to really give props to is Jessica Bill. Because mm-hmm. I as I could watch it in this, I could see that she'd put the work in. Um mm-hmm. and, and I wouldn't say she put the work in character-wise. She didn't no. there was, she put the physicality she, in though. But she but that's what I liked. I thought you could yeah. tell she's definitely put the work in in when I could see the archery scenes, the mm-hmm. action scenes, and you could see a lot of that was her. Yeah. There wasn't any camera quickly moving away from her face. You could see that was her who put the work in. And I thought, and I was impressed. And I, I thought in those fight scenes, and I, I didn't think she was overly strong in the in the acting world. You know, her dad's just died. There wasn't really a lack for, there was a huge lack of range in the in the emotional thing yes. going on. But, but when I watched that movie, I thought, you know, what? I've changed my mind slightly about Jessica Biel being in this. Okay. Um, I just thought she she did well in terms of how much she put in, in terms of acting, in, sorry, not acting, in terms of her, her physicalness and all those action scenes. And those action scenes must have taken a lot of work to, you know, a lot of dedication. So yeah. I want to give it to her for that really i think that's fair i think yeah. that's fair because yeah. I, I i would agree with that i think her physicality was on point but like mm-hmm. i wasn't kidding i don't have any favorite characters from this film like everybody was very subpar to me one the one thing i would say again a criticism here with ryan reynolds yeah when they said that hannibal king used to be uh used, used to be a vampire mm-hmm and used to be one of Parker Posey's crew, et cetera, and then to the cure. Uh, that that should have been something which a better actor could have, and and, and script and direction should have d- d- delved into that. Like, so, you know, so, yeah, because yeah. who came up with the cure? Like that always annoyed me. Like we got Wasn't here, that cured? Doctor, yeah, Karen came up with the cure in the first film um, for people who were turned, not for mm-hmm. born vampires, but for people who had been turned. But like they never ever ever mention her again. 
And that really mm. pissed me off. Like you could have mentioned her in the second film, but in this film, instead, Whistler has found like this whole new crew that basically redesigned everything. They gave Blade a new di- distribution system for his serum. They came up with the cure for that uh, Hannibal took. And it's just like, y'all just going to shit all over the work that she put in in the first film? Like, I don't know. That that bothers me. Yeah. And she was a much, to be honest, she was a much stronger actress than yeah. all of them. Lot. And than anyone uh, else that we've had yeah. in the series. Yeah. I would have, do you know what would have been cool? Actually, we'll talk about it in a minute. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm worried to ask the question, but do you have <laughs> any, we'll talk about this, sort of, I guess, uh, we'll, we'll touch on the structure of this movie. Do, do you have a favorite scene or the end credits? <laughs> I mean, it was the first one that had a total post-credit scene instead of a mid-credit scene. Um, but favorite scene, not particularly, but I will say that the weapon that you can see here in my background, which is like that curved blade mm-hmm. that he, that blade has, mm-hmm. um, I liked the sequence at the very end when they're fighting all of the vampires in the lair and mm-hmm. he does like the one throw and it's like a boomerang kind of throw and it like kills 11 vampires in one fell swoop. Um, I, I did like most of the fight scenes at the very, very, except for the fight scene between blade and Dracula did not enjoy that one, but mm-hmm. all of the other fighting that was going on in the building at that time, I did enjoy that, but, but that was like the last, literally the last five minutes of the film. So it took the entire film before I finally found something that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have any favorite scenes. I mean, I just, again, give props to Jessica for mm-hmm. her acting, uh, sorry, not acting, I keep saying acting, her mm-hmm. action, her action scenes. Yeah. I did think like she was pretty good in that. And the subway scene, it, it gave me underworld feels, which I thought uh, was yeah. cool. Like uh, it definitely gave me underworld feels, which I, and I, I, I thought, yeah, okay. I give props to this. Like, yeah. but no, overall generally, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was kind of like meh for him. Yeah. But, you know, you you slipped up earlier and you called her Jessica Alba. Yeah, no, Jessica I did. Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, so did the marketing team because they released a trailer that was running for a full day before it got pulled. They released a trailer where they accidentally credited Jessica Alba as being the actress in the film instead of Jessica Biel. Oh, I bet she was pissed. Uh, yeah. And somebody should get fired for that. Cause like, yeah, that's how a, are you going to go? That, thing, like, that's yeah. so basic. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, at that time, actually, Jessica Alba would have been quite prominent. Well, uh, she was in Dark Angel, wasn't she? Yeah. Around that time. And yeah. she, she was pretty action focused. At the time, well. the two actresses were interchangeable. Like, mm-hmm. I get that, but that is just an unforgivable mistake for someone to make. Yeah, and the Bill and Alba, I know they don't exactly sound the same, but they're quite mm. short surnames. And, yeah, four letters. Um, yeah, so, right. <laughs> this is a question I'm worried about asking. Anything you would have cut, changed, or, or why? Like, yeah. I, so many things, but if yeah. I only have to pick one, I would not have picked Dracula. Dracula would not have been my villain for this movie at all. I would have done what they did in the second film and make up some guy like mm-hmm. make up some vampire that is just out of my imagination. Like yeah. it just, it, I don't know. Like 
like how uh, to me it just feels so arrogant to have used dracula and then to have used dracula so poorly yeah like it just really uh it pisses me off and i i say that because like again we said it on a few episodes back but like vampires are my absolute favorite like of the supernatural realm of beings and so like at the time i was obsessed with vampires and like all different kinds of vampire films and vampire lore and all of that stuff. And just like to shit on such an iconic character. I just, I couldn't understand it. I I just couldn't even, I couldn't wrap my mind around this version of Dracula at all. I just couldn't Mm -hmm. get behind it. So if I were to do it differently, I mean, Obviously, there's a whole lot of other stuff I changed, but uh, this film would have had a totally different, like, made-up villain instead of using Dracula. I think, I think, like, so for me, what I would have changed was I would have not killed off Whistler again. Like, that was stupid. Um, I actually was okay with the introduction of him having a daughter that we yeah. met. Out of wedlock. But, That's how they cleared up yeah. that thing, because you asked that question in the last episode about... Um, how did he have another daughter when they talked about how they killed his family? Mm. And then she addressed it immediately. She was like, oh, no, I was born out of wedlock. <laughs> okay, um, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I, I think they missed an opportunity to have them two on the screen at the same time, right. and, which was which was a terrible move then. I, so I would have cut the FBI stuff. I would have cut out Parker Posey and all of her crew and would have got rid of all of them. I would have got rid of Ryan Reynolds. So, so I would have kept Chris, um, Chris, Chris Rosson, you know, Whistler. I would have brought in the daughter still, not necessarily. I think Jessica Bill did a good job. So maybe she would have been better with a smaller, more focused group. She, so if you think about it in the first film, they introduced Karen and mm-hmm. she was kind of the, the, of the group. It was like three, and then in um, the second film, they had Daryl from The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. you know, Scud uh, yeah. as, the, as their little threesome thing going. She could have quite easily have been the third part. Right. And if it was just the three of them, kept it tighter, the three of them, that's what yeah. I would have done. Now, where, where with this Dracula thing, that they could have lined up a fourth movie where maybe even ended on a bit of a to-be-continued kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If it had a much stronger script, they could have built up to Dracula. So introduced a villain that was the villain of Blade 3, which was whatever that villain was, was trying to, I don't know, do something that led to the resurrection of Dracula or right. whatever it was. And I think they should have gone down the route of maybe a female villain, um, considering the first, two, for the first two films were male villains. Yeah. Introduce more of a female villain. Female villain worked really well in Castlevania. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it could have been maybe a, a, an older school, but you know, because if you think about it, in the first two movies, the old old generation vampires weren't really a massive threat. Right. So it could have been an old older female villain uh, vampire that's much more of an older threat, and, and it could be, could be you know that she's looking to try and find her love, you know, yeah. Dracula, etc. I know that plot's probably been done, uh, but. Or, or but also, like, how them. how was it so simple? Like, you found the tomb, you walked in, you stumbled upon an opening, and then Dracula just pops up out of the ground. Like, oh, you didn't good. have to do anything to like get him to wake up. Like, it was there's just... no work there. Yeah. Ay ay ay. Like, so so if they'd have just had much more of a an actual hard work element to it, yeah, kept it kept it smaller. Yeah. Maybe that female villain actually survives this movie, but whatever plot she was trying to achieve 
they stop. Um, yeah. However, then you see sort of mid credits or whatever. Actually, she did kind of win the day because then she's got what she's looking for. Right. And they don't even have they don't even have to show the actor, but they allude to it being Dracula. Two right. ends, and then they do a blade for like uh, that would have been a much better way of doing it. Built built up to Dracula, and this is where right. unfortunately storytelling back then was very much singular movie focused. And, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. I would have tried to of smaller cast like Wesley Snipes' problem uh, complaint. Um, Killing off Whistler was always a mistake. Yeah. Um, but it would have been cool to have seen that third party. Well, and you know what they could have even done is like you just said, maybe brought Karen back. Um, yeah. Like, or at least acknowledge that that that's who started all of this yeah. like new technology stuff. Because even Scud mentions EDTA in the second film. And it's like, you didn't come up with that shit, man. Karen did. <laughs> it just, oh, it just it, it just annoys me how they forget about Dr. Karen Jensen, who was a hematologist that did all this other stuff. Um, and one thing I did forget to mention about the characters in this film, like I found myself watching this film and thinking like, I don't, I don't care about any of these people. Like I'm not attached to them. I don't care about what happens to them. Like <clears throat> I'm not invested in the outcome. Like when they go or when Dracula goes to their hideout and like kills everyone, it was just kind of like, eh. it's like, I'm not, attached enough to these people to feel emotional that they are now dead you know what i mean it was just it was it was a bizarre experience this time um oh yeah yeah um did you want to you put a bit of here at the bottom do you want to okay so uh, this one is like a big one for for all of the comic nerds that are still listening so blade is obviously a marvel character but at some point blade teams up with a group that Marvel calls the Midnight Suns. And it seems now, since we're getting a new Blade, hopefully, we it keeps getting pushed back, it keeps losing directors, but hopefully we're getting a new Blade in 2026. Um, but, like, Marvel has a lot of these other characters in place, and it makes me wonder, like, at some point down the line, even if it's, uh, like, a Marvel TV series, would we possibly get a live action version of the midnight suns and some of the other people like there's two ghost writers in it uh johnny blaze and danny catch and believe me if marvel called nick cage nick cage would 100 percent come back as johnny blaze like i have no yeah. doubt in my mind that you could get nicholas cage back um moon knight morbius werewolf by night and bloodstone from werewolf by night man thing and the really terrible show that was on Hulu that we reviewed. Uh, oh, Hellstrom. Hellstrom. Yeah, yeah, Damian Hellstrom was part of the Midnight Suns at one point. And then also you have Strange and Wong. Like, Wong isn't everything. I love Wong. But I don't know. I just think it would be so cool now that if if you're going to actually bring us Blade into the MCU, like, give us a team-up. Because I, I love the team-ups. Like, we all love the Avengers. We love the Fantastic Four. You know, like... Everybody loves a good team up and I think it would be really cool. And plus we're getting the Thunderbolts. Um, we've also had the defenders. Yeah. So why not? Like, why not give us the midnight suns where we get a little bit of all of these different people? I think if they did it, Morbius wouldn't be part of it um, yeah. because of Sony. And unfortunately until a deal is done to kill Sony's involvement in any of the Spider-Man mm -hmm. films, 
I think Marvel will have to suck it. I, I, I think didn't Sony say they want like a billion or something ridiculous <laughs> to, to for Marvel to buy back the or Disney to buy back the Spider Man rights? Well, and, and I uh, mean, they... at the, uh, five years ago, that would not have seemed out of the picture, but right now, Marvel is struggling. Marvel is on the struggle bus right now. They were surprised at how poorly Ant-Man and Quantumania performed. Mm-hmm. And I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, oh no, I guess we're not as in touch with the audience as we thought we were. And so Marvel has some stuff that they got to work out. They they've lost a lot of people, like a lot of viewership. Um so I think that they're I think they're gonna end up delaying a lot of stuff because I think they're gonna have to slow it down and figure out how to get these phases back on track. I, I actually, um, I'll say one more thing and then we'll kind of wrap this up. But uh, this is actually not now about Blade. But when um, I left the cinema yesterday and we were chatting, obviously, about movies and TV shows on the way home. And um, and we both we were both talking, because we've obviously got the past, we are talking about films we've seen this year and stuff. And we both, me and my neighbour, were both on the same page. Actually, when we're losing interest in mm-hmm. a lot of the, the the comic book movies that are coming out now and it's a burnout and i think i think to be honest with you marvel and dc they both could do stepping away for a couple of years and i think you know when they were coming out initially the mcu they were coming out maybe one or two movies a year Mm it's fine you know they weren't doing the tv shows so that way that way when those things came out they were the only things out that year so it's great but the thing is, Marvel have done the same mistake that they did with Star Wars. They're just throwing everything, everything. they can. We get and, six Marvel uh, pieces a year, three films, three shows. Uh, and it's just too much now. It's just mm-hmm. like too much. But also they were like they went for quantity over quality. Mm-hmm. And I know Kevin Feige has said he's realized that now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they've realized that they're just putting out too much. And and you know, to address the quality they've even realized that and i have to say this is a good sign where they filmed something like nine episodes of daredevil uh sort of you know uh season four essentially and they've scrapped them all uh they've yep. watched them and they were like no these are awful and apparently he didn't even show up in costume until like episode four and it's like no fan wants to see that like you do you know what if they'd have released that people would have been going nuts at them week in week out like where's daredevil where's you know where's yeah. where's the actual man where's the, actual see, the, man? the problem so- with them taking on daredevil again is that netflix did daredevil so well yeah. that it's really hard for you to do something so different to like build on it like i don't know like i i just there's not that much room because everybody loved what netflix did with daredevil like a lot of the other shows there's some Plenty of room for improvement, but with Daredevil, there isn't much. And like the only way they could have done that, if you can't come in it? where Netflix was, anything is going to be unacceptable. Well, I think the only way—I don't know—moving away from Blade now, but the only way to have actually do Daredevil season four was actually to make it Daredevil season four and right. just get the Netflix people back and say, "What was your plans for season four? Obviously, we want to now mold that into an MCU thing, but." Right. But you guys keep the tone, keep the actors and actually, you know, bring back Karen, bring back Foggy, which I know again right. they were not gonna do. Bring back the lady who played Vanessa. Literally, we want whatever you're And that's what I don't were. understand because it happens all the time. Like one network says we're not renewing this show, and someone else picks it up. 
Like, why was that not a thing that could happen? Yeah. Because when the Expanse left sci-fi and went to Amazon, there's no significant difference in the series from network to network. Like, they literally just picked up the whole damn show and and moved it to Amazon. Like, I just don't understand why, why it's such a big deal with with marvel yeah oh, that's a pride thing probably but no i i the last 12 18 months of comic book maybe even two years of comic book stuff it's just it's too much now it's too much it's too the the the, the quantity is just too much and also the buy-in I, is getting much bigger like yeah, i mean <clears throat> i had a really hard time watching um oh what's it uh secret invasion because I've only seen Captain Marvel once. And so I've like I've seen it that many times either. Yeah. Yeah. So like watching Secret Invasion, I was kind of like, wait, who are the scrolls running from? Like, why are they on Earth? I like I just couldn't remember half of the reasoning mm-hmm. behind why things were happening the way that they were happening. And it was just like now of course and that's me coming from like someone who is an MCU fan. Like it's getting harder and harder for fans to keep up with. What is happening oh yeah, now. yeah. I mean, I haven't even watched any Loki yet, so yeah, I know it's I... only two weeks on, but I just haven't even got the time. Yeah. So, but anyway, we'll we'll stop our chit chat there, um, and we will rate Blade Three. What... what would you rate it? Oh dear. Um, I'm not going to be that me. I'll, I'll one. I'm going to give it a one. I've debated this. I've gone between one. I've gone between one and three, but I don't think it deserves a three. So, I'm gonna go. Yeah, no, I'll go one. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's a pretty yeah. solid. It's not like yeah. zero, like Man Thing. I don't think yeah. anything ever will be. But uh, this is. But also, like, it just it's a low score because the expectations were so high. Mm. Oh you yeah. Know? Yeah. Anyway, so our next episode, we are going to review the first half of the Blade TV series from 2006. Which I'm excited about. I've never seen, so this will be a first. So it it pretty much carries on, kind of. Uh Uh-huh. With sticky fingers. Yeah, so Wesley Snipes isn't back, although I reckon Wesley Snipes would have done it. Wasn't he in prison at this point? Um, I think he was in tax court at the time, yes. (laughs) He was probably heading that way, so... Uh, anyway, we'll talk about that next week. But yeah, we're going to just watch the first half and then the week after we'll watch the second half. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We're Geeks Unleashed everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or X. Uh, uh, come say hi. You uh, know, X. it's called X. Like, the logo has changed, but when you go to the website, it is still, it's like, still Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, so. Um, I, I have noticed everybody says Twitter or or X. Like, yeah. I think people it's should an afterthought. Just, yeah. Yeah, people should just say Twitter. <laughs> Uh, and you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. And uh, it's good that we referenced Master of the Universe earlier. So good journey. <laughs> good journey. <laughs>